So is this glass half full or is it half empty? That's a question that a lot of people use to see if you are a positive person, the glass is half full, or more of a negative person that the glass is half empty. But you know, even the most positive people in this world get negative at times. And even the most negative people on this planet, on this world here, they wanna get to positivity, they just don't know how to get there. This week, we're gonna talk on overcoming negativity. And it's something that we all truly need because negativity hits each and every one of us. Sometimes it's there for an hour or a day, or it could be long lasting. Sometimes negativity, when it comes, it's, it's seasonal. If you lost a loved one and that death day, the reminder of when that person died, you're negative or sad leading up to it. Sometimes it's situational where we get negative. You know, around that person over there, whenever they come around, this negativity builds up. And sometimes it's just simply severe. So how do we do that? How do we overcome our negativity? Well, this week, we're, we're going to get positive about negativity. We're going to see how God's word can give you such incredible peace. So how do we do that? Where do we start? A lot of times, the negative thoughts and feelings, the emotions we have, are based on past failures and things that we've done wrong. It's hard. It is just so incredibly hard to be positive in our lives and overcome negativity when you're weighed down by guilt. When you remember something just awful, terrible that you did in your life. And when that thing that you did can't be undone, when that thing that you did altered life or ruined relationships, it's so easy to get negative and weighed down. So what is that for you? What is it that you've done in your past that as soon as you think of it, the instant that thought comes in, you feel awful, rotten, and worthless, and you feel negative. So when that comes, and it's going to, that's, that's this life, we've done horrible things. How do we respond? What do we do? You know, if for some reason, David was sitting right ne or next to me, David from the Bible in the Old Testament, and if I asked him, what makes you feel guilty? Or what do you feel awful about in your past? I think we would all pretty much know the answer. If you remember the life of David, David looks out, falls into lust, eventually has an affair with a woman that's already married. He has this drunken cover-up plan that's there and then murders this, this woman's uh, husband. Talk about something to feel guilty about. And, and David was weighed down and that guilt creates negativity. Until that one day where God said the prophet Nathan, Nathan uh, over to David and David confessed his sin. I want to read for you these incredible words. This is David talking about finally releasing that negativity. This is Psalm 32. Pay attention to the end. It says this. David said, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions, a fancy word for sins. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Here's the key part. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. If you are weighed down in negativity, guilt over something you've done of your past, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing you've confessed that sin to God already. That big, ugly sin. And you've said, God, why, why did I do this? Please forgive me. God forgives and God forgets. God not only takes away the wrong of that sin, God takes away the guilt of that sin. 
So why is it then? Why is it you who, who know that God loves you, you who know that God forgives you, you who know what the Bible says, that God forgives and forgets, why don't you feel forgiven? Why do you have this guilt still on you that presses you down in negativity? When you know that God's forgiven you, the answer probably is you haven't forgiven yourself. If you want to overcome negativity in your life, treat yourself with the same grace that God treats you. Forgive and forget that past. But I got to warn you, the devil, oh, he's so good. The devil's going to remind you of that past because it's worked before and pressed you down. So when he does, when the devil assaults you and attacks you and tries to press you into negativity, I want you to say out loud, devil, that's not me anymore. Jesus has forgiven me of that sin. Again, when the devil attacks you, and he will, say out loud, devil, that's not me anymore. Jesus has forgiven me of that sin. Now, if someone's around you, maybe don't say that out loud. You can say it in your head. But invoke that name of Jesus, the, the power of Christ, and remind yourself of the truth. The truth that Jesus has forgiven you, now it's time for you to forgive you. And when you do, it's gonna help you overcome that negativity. In yesterday's video, I gave you the strong encouragement about forgiving yourself to overcome the past negativity and the guilt feelings that so often are there. You and I need to forgive ourselves for what we've done wrong. And that's a tough truth to learn because we feel just awful, terrible about those things that we've done. And so I wanna take you the next step now, growing in that truth that God loves you and God forgives you and God has called you to be worthy. You know, your heart knows God's love. Your heart knows God's forgiveness. Here's the problem, right here in our mind. And in fact, Paul talks about that exact truth, about the battle that is going on for the peace that you need in your life. It's right here in your mind. He says this in Romans chapter 12. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, your heart knows that God has forgiven you. Your, your heart and soul knows that God has pulled away that past. No matter how rotten, how often that happened, it's gone. But your mind draws back into what you did. And if you're like me, Anytime you think of what you did in your past, you feel just evil. You feel worthless. You feel, how could God ever love someone like me? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't fall into that trip, uh, that trick, that trap of the devil. He's so, so good at pulling us down into negativity. But God says, have a renewing of your mind. Now, How? How exactly do we have a renewing of our mind? Paul gave a, a different encouragement. As he was writing to some newer Christians as they were growing in their faith, to the people in Philippi. And he said this, words to help you and I as well. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything, is excellent or praiseworthy. Then he says, think about such things. 
Why doesn't God demand us through the pen of Paul here to do such things, to do what is admirable, to do what is right? Well, the reason why is because God knows how he built us. Before we're going to go do anything, the battle is going to happen here. Where your focus is, that your heart's going to go. So the battle for your peace, the, the battle to overcome negativity, is right here in your mind. So I have a challenge for you. This is something that I have started to do the last about year and a half or so with counseling that I've done with teenagers and with adults. And they have come back and said, it has been revolutionary. It has been encouraging for them. Here's my challenge. When you're uh, brushing your teeth at night and you're going to bed and the mirror's there, when you wake up in the morning and you're brushing your teeth and washing your face and getting ready and the mirror's there, every single time, You're in the bathroom and the mirror is there. This is my challenge. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look at yourself straight in that mirror and there's no place to run. There's no place to hide. And this is what I want you to say. Jesus has forgiven me. And I forgive me. And I'm worth it. Jesus has forgiven me. And I forgive me. And I'm worth it. Christ has made you worthy. He's poured his love, his grace, his favor, his forgiveness into you. And there's no place to run or to hide, but you right there to yourself to forgive yourself, to treat yourself with the grace that God has treated you. And I'm going to warn you, it's going to be awkward. The first time you do it, it is going to be straight up awkward. And you might not even believe it. But every single time you're in the bathroom and you're there one-on-one, say those words. Jesus has forgiven me. I forgive me. And I'm worth it. It's going to sink the peace that God has already given you right into your heart and help you overcome negativity. When I was 18 years old, my high school selected me to go represent our school at this leadership conference that was being put on by a motivational speaker by the name of Zig Ziglar. I was really honored to be selected, but a little nervous because I really didn't know anybody else that was gonna be there. The conference was excellent. I learned a lot. And about a third of what Zig Ziglar's talk was on was based on the positivity and negativity when it comes to our friendships, those that we surround ourselves with. And there's a phrase that he said that I wrote down in my book, and it's something I've lived by throughout my life, and I want to tell it to you. He simply said this, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that makes a lot of sense, right? We can think of people that we know that had this great future ahead of them and they surrounded themselves with negativity surround themselves with bad influence and off they went and they wrecked their life or changed their life. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Now that's not just a phrase well done by a motivational speaker. That's truth. In fact, it's biblical truth. In fact, there's a great proverb I want to share with you. This comes from Proverbs chapter 13. Again, the book of Proverbs, this great wisdom book of the Bible, I like to call it God's tweetable truths that are there, these these short little nuggets of, of knowledge and truth and encouragement. And God says this about our circle, our friends. 
He says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. And you know that you can have positive influence around you and it interrupts your negativity. It lifts you up. It encourages you. But show me your friends that are negative and I'll show you your future. Or show me your friends you're going to talk to about your negative bad day and I'll show you your future reaction. If you surround yourself with friends that pick on other people, if you surround yourself with negative friends that just get angry and want revenge, well, then I'm going to show you your future. Who, who is that for you? What friend do you have that just really isn't a good influence? A person who pushes you down and doesn't lift you up. If you've got a friend like that in your life, it's, it's like a crab in a bucket. I read an illustration, never seen it live myself, but I read an illustration that said that if you put a, a couple of crabs, let's say in like a five gallon bucket, and easily those crabs could stand on each other and climb out of the bucket, you don't have to put a lid on the bucket. Because as one crab starts to climb out, another one inside grabs them and pulls them back down. And when you've got negative friends, they're gonna drive you into negativity. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. But if the friend you show me is Jesus, well, then I know your future. If the friend you show me is Jesus, that great friend who's always there, who comes in, who shows you love, who shows you mercy, who shows you forgiveness, who shows you grace, well, then I'm gonna show you your future. And it's gonna overcome negativity. And it's gonna give you peace. There was a magazine over in England and they ran a, ran a contest of the greatest definition for a friend. And the winner was simply this. A friend is someone who goes in when the world goes out. And that's Jesus. He came into this world for you. Jesus came into his heart to forgive and love you. Jesus has always and will always be here for you. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Surround yourself with great Christian influences. They're gonna point you to your loving Lord. And when you do, it'll help you overcome that negativity which is in this world. Again, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. One of my daughters just learned a big life lesson. Well, we're hoping that she learned a big life lesson. We were on a family vacation and hanging out with a college buddy of mine and he was gracious enough to let our whole family crash at his house, sleep over after having a lot of fun. So he set us up really well. There was a big bedroom. So my wife and I are gonna sleep here and there was a single bed on this side and then an air mattress, double air mattress in between and then one of my girls was gonna be on the floor. Perfect setup. It was the fifth night sleeping in a fifth different place and the girls really all wanted the single bed their own space, not an air mattress, not on the floor, a fight broke out. And eventually we decided one of the girls that was always sleeping on the floor would get that bed. And then her older sister could then be with the other older sister on the air mattress. She lost it. I mean, screaming, lost it. In front of our hosts, yelling, I'm not gonna sleep on that air mattress. Rawr, stomping around, lost it. We get into the bedroom and she's pounding the air mattress. I refuse to sleep on this. Okay, well then you get the floor. What? And she lost it even more. Life lesson, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you ask for. 
Now I bring that up because what happened next, I need to set up what happened next. She couldn't get over it. For about the next 20 minutes while she was supposed to be sleeping, she was whimpering and she was sobbing and we told her that we loved her and we forgave her for it, but there's consequences to actions. And she kept saying, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. What if I hadn't said that? What if, what if? And she kept saying that over and over again. Have you been there? Maybe not over a bed versus an air mattress versus the floor, but we live a lot in the what if of life. What if I hadn't done this? What if I hadn't said that? What if I hadn't reacted that way? And when you do that, you become like my daughter. My daughter just couldn't get over it because no matter how much you play the what if game and you run different scenarios, you go back to the same result of what you're stuck in in that moment. And it just drives you nuts and it presses you down into negativity. Now, Paul in the Bible absolutely could have been crushed into negativity. With all the horrible things that Paul did in his life, especially before he believed in Jesus, he could have lived in that past and lived in the what if I had been different. But Paul didn't. And Paul gives us then this encouragement. This is written in the book of Philippians. This is in chapter 3. And he says this, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God says, and God encourages us here to just forget the past. You don't live in the past anymore. You're not there. You can't change that past. So God says through Paul, forget the past. Press on into the future. When I'm doing counseling with people and they're living in this guilt, this negativity of the what if, and I I hear them say it in my office, what if I had? I stop them and said, does that help? For you, does the what if help? You know it doesn't. So change the question. Change the question from what if, which focuses you on the past and negativity, to what now and what next. And Christian friend, what is now? that God loves you and God forgives you and God is right here by your side. That is your now, right now. And that helps you then as you live that truth to ask what's next. What are you going to press forward towards as Paul talked about? What is God focusing you to? Control the controllables. The past you can't control. God lives it. God is there. God has forgiven you there. God lives now with you in peace and into the future. If you're struggling in negativity and you're saying, what if? Change your question to what's now? Jesus loves me. And what's next? Jesus goes with me. And when you change those questions, it'll give you peace. When you're heartbroken at the death of a loved one, it's so easy to be overcome with negativity to be pressed down inside of this world because the truth of that loved one not being there anymore just hits your heart. And everything just feels darker and heavier and sadder. There's an incredible section of scripture that so many Christians go to, Psalm 23. But it's a section of scripture that is just so often misunderstood. And I wanna open up that truth to you today and give you peace. 
as I served as a pastor at a church and led funerals so often, I could just see peace pour onto all the people that were there at that funeral as we spoke the first words of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. God being that shepherd, a shepherd who's always there for you, a shepherd who runs after you when you are lost, a shepherd who will carry you back when you are too weak, a shepherd who will fight that wily foe, the devil, for you. What peace that gives. We shouldn't be in want because he gives us what we need. And it continues on. He, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. And then know that that's exactly what Jesus has done for you to give your soul peace. And as that Psalm 23 carried on, though, in the funeral, we got to verse 4. And it just, it hit everyone like a thud. I could see it. I could see the peace just dissipate from people as they spoke verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You don't even hear that end part, I will fear no evil, because all you hear is the thud of that word death. And, and how can you not? Right in front of you is the casket that has your loved one or the urn that has the remains of your loved one. And the word death just hits us. But that is not God's intention. When you look at that verse, the word death is not the focus of God and it shouldn't be then the focus of us. It says of death. Not to get all nerdy on you, but that means that the word death is the object of the prepositional phrase there. It's not the main meaning. And, and notice what it says. It says that death is a shadow. The shadow of death. Well, what does that mean? A shadow itself has no substance. A shadow itself has no value. A shadow can't hurt you. It can scare you if you let it scare you. But a shadow can do nothing to you. And because of Jesus, because of his power over death, of him rising to life on Easter Sunday, what does that mean for that loved one? Death is but a shadow. And where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us on that valley. Remember the verse though says, though I walk through the valley, and you think valley and you think this low point, and a valley is a low point. It is sad on this side of heaven to lose a loved one. But what does it say? I walk through the valley. That means there's an ending on the other side. There's peace waiting for you. And where is that found? It's found in Jesus. It's found in his power over death. It's found in the fact that he is that good shepherd before your loved one who passed away and for you. Next time you're at a funeral or next time you're feeling sad about the death of a loved one and you speak the words of Psalm 23, do not do not let that word death overtake you. Fear not, for Christ is with you. Fear not, for Christ walks with your loved one and walks with you. Death is but a shadow for those who believe in Jesus. Remember that truth and you'll find peace. Hey everyone, Pastor Mike here from Time of Grace. Did you know that the video you just saw and everything we do at Time of Grace is completely donor funded? which is our way of saying we don't have a tree that grows money in the back of our office. And we don't get government funds and we're not connected to one specific church. And even though we get to do media ministry, we're not flush with cash. Instead, we rely on people just like you whose open hearts and generosity let us spread the message of Jesus to more and more people 
through so many platforms. So thank you so much for your support. All of you who have given and made this possible, we are grateful for you. And we really need all of you uh, to step up, be generous, so that we can spread the message of God's grace to the ends of the earth. Thanks again, and have a great day.